Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to Table Flip episode 13. We have a special couple of guests in the studio with us. Uh, we do have uh, Nate, a.k.a. Catracel, as usual. How's it going, Nate? Going good, sir. Going very well. Excellent. And we are also greeted by Matt, a.k.a. DBME Boy, a.k.a. Red CCG 5 How's it going, buddy? Going great. I'm glad I could join you this week. Excellent. We are, too. And we are also joined by a uh, prestigious guest, Zach, a.k.a. Zach from Team Covenant. How's it going? It's fantastic. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Hey, thanks for taking time out of your busy week to, to be a part of the show. So topics this week are going to be ranging from uh, two versus two to the experiences that Zach and uh, Nate had at Worlds, as well as a special deck talk that me and Matt have been planning for a couple months. So let's get right into the topics. First of all, how's everyone's week been? Zach, how's your week been? It's been fantastic. Uh, you know, finally kind of getting back on our feet after Worlds and it's a, a strange effect when you go to a big event like that. You expect to maybe be burnt out a little bit, but you get home and really all you want to do is play more. So yeah. uh, it's it's great. It's been a good week and game game on. Awesome, awesome. Um, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Zach, uh, like I said, is a part of Team Covenant. It's uh, teamcovenant.com. They also offer some really, really cool um, monthly subscription fees for the uh, – LCGs, you pay $15 a month and they get mailed directly to your house, free shipping. It's great. I know I'm going to be using them uh, start of the next year. Definitely, definitely check them out. Uh, they also have a ton of content from Worlds on their YouTube site, which is just youtube.com forward slash Team Covenant. And uh, just, I've been really enjoying your videos as well. You guys are very, very informative. So thank you for that. Um, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Nate, how's your week been? My week has been fantastic. Excellent. Um, and very, very busy. I bet. Yeah, um, so I probably should tell everybody why my week has been really, really busy, shouldn't Special I? Special announcements. Dun, dun, dun. So, I have good news and bad news. Which which would you like me to tell everybody first? Let, let's start with the bad news so we have something to look forward to. The bad news? Um, <laughs> the bad news is this will be my last week on the podcast for the foreseeable future. What? Why is that? Um, I have a... New job opportunity that uh, I will have to be moving for, and because of what the job entails, I will no longer be able to record a weekly podcast um, concerning certain games. All righty. Well, congratulations um, on the new job, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Uh, most people know what it is. I, I, I don't necessarily want to go too in-depth about what it is on the podcast, just because of other concerns um but if anybody is that interested about my life and really would like to know uh feel free to pm me on card game db and we can talk about it but this is my swan song for now <laughs> well you know what guys he's actually become a stripper that's, uh, that's why he doesn't want to tell me, so <laughs> yeah yep me and tiny we're oh, starting gosh, our own no. <laughs> starting our own strip club Oh, no, I don't think that would go very well. That would just no, oh. no. He would kill me for that. <laughs> okay, so mental images out of my head. Matt, how's your week been? It's been a good week. Um, I finally have been able to get back on Octagon and get games in. It had good. been a couple months since I'd played much, unfortunately. Um, that happens. Yeah, still win sometimes, still lose sometimes, but have fun either way, and that's the great part of the game. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's good. My week has been busy as well. Uh, just got done with uh, my Guild Wars 2 tournament uh, last weekend, so I've been cutting up a lot of the VODs for that. I hate Twitch's VOD system. It's terrible. 
But uh, I've been playing a lot of games with uh, Agent 710, which is a.k.a. Nick, uh, one of the friends of the show, as well as Matt here. Uh, I've been playing a lot of games with him and um, doing some really good deck testing as well. So, Also, I want to give a shout-out to, uh, I believe it's Yoda Man. I think that's how, you, how I say his name. I apologize if I'm butchering that. Uh, we've been playing on Octagon for uh, for a while, and he's been he's been a really good opponent. So shout out to you, sir. And also, this is a a um, kind of a call out to uh, TGO. I will face you, and I will hand you your butt on a silver platter, sir. That that is going to happen. <laughs> so just uh, hopefully your internet issues get resolved. But getting right into the media and greet of the main topic here, that is going to be worlds. And I know I want to ever hear the shout out. He doesn't listen to the show. That's okay. And um, you know, <laughs> one thing that worlds uh, kind of surprised us a little bit is there was no like really good kind of crazy decks that actually made it all the way to the top it was a lot of a lot of pretty standard decks a lot of sith control a lot of um slew scout decks that really just kind of sat there and went, went all the way just demolishing the entire competition um i know that nate you chose to run, uh, run super friends and it did not work as well as we had thought which is really odd because it was really consistent in testing but um, why don't you go over a little bit of why you think it failed and what uh, the light side needs character-wise to improve that deck. So, yeah, I, uh, myself and, and quite a few other guys that I was playtesting with, we all chose to, to run Super Friends. Um, it's a good deck. It's a consistent deck. It is so boring to play. <laughs> I hate playing that deck so much. Um, and, and that's really the, the biggest downfall of the deck. There's none of that burst or surprise that Slew Scout decks and, and vehicle decks have. It's like you know what you're going to face when you sit down against a, a, a character-based light side deck. You're going to see Han, you're going to see Chewie, you're going to see Luke, and then more likely Falcon and something else. Right. So there's no surprise factor there. It's just you sit down, you already know the matchup. And I think that was the biggest downfall of playing that deck and that deck in general it's like it's an easy deck to play against unless it gets like the god draw and plays everything it needs you know whereas a vehicle deck you can switch things up you can run two or three different strategies you can be a hyper aggro deck you right, can be right. uh, uh you know sit there and sneak in damage and then all of a sudden one turn you're like rebel salt rebel salt i win <laughs> you know characters don't have that. All they have is I'm going to send Chewie at every single thing that has blast damage and hope to blow up your board with that. You know, there's... It's such a boring deck, and I regret so much playing it. I wish I would have played something else. Um, okay, so so you're, you're basically saying that because the deck is so well-known and because everyone knows what the characters include, it's a lot easier to play around that light side deck than, say... A Dennis's deck um, that was just very, 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 very inventive. Uh, taking home one out and adding flu scouts, I think, kind of threw a lot of people off. So yeah, and and it's more it's more to do than just you know everybody knows how to play against it. It's that the deck does one thing and does one thing very, very well. It is a very consistent deck. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is when the dark side player gets a good draw, You're screwed. consistency doesn't matter. You need some way to get around dark side consistency more than just your own consistency. Okay. Because it was like every every game I played, 
I was in it as light side. You know, there was only one round where I just completely lost because I didn't draw anything. Mm -hmm. Everything other than that, I was dropping Hans. I was dropping Luke's. I just wasn't able to push through and clinch games with the deck. Whereas I felt if I'd played something that had some kind of combat trick that wasn't just the Falcon, Mm -hmm. I would have been able to do better. Okay, so um, with that being said, uh, Zach, I know that uh, obviously Dennis is, uh, plays at your store, so you guys are pretty proud to have him being the first world champion, which is awesome. Dennis is such a great, great player, great guy. And um, what was your thoughts on some of the light side decks that you saw there? I, am, I, I don't exactly remember what you were running. I, I apologize. But um, what, what deck were you running in, in uh, the Worlds there? Uh, I was running a very weird, uh, not really weird, just a, you know, a deck I don't see often, which basically it's Jedi. I started um, Smugglers and Spies, and I, I, I can't get away from the, the Lando objective set. Oh, it's so uh, great. So was, yeah, it's so good, and like Sith control is so good right now, so having the cancels to me is was like just so important. So I, I, I mean, I've been playing this deck, it was very... I think it was one or two objectives off of what I ran at Gen Con, mm-hmm. um, and, and it really worked out for me, so I, I made some changes. But I was running two Lando, one Falcon, two Luke, two Yoda, two of the Protector, uh, Secret Evan Forest, and then uh, one Obi-Wan objective set, actually. Oh, wow. That's really cool. <clears throat> yeah, um, and you know, after a day of playing, the only regret I have is that I didn't run two uh, Millennium Falcon objective sets instead of one. Mm-hmm. I would have totally dropped a Protector objective set for a Falcon. He... I underestimated what he could do against the current yeah. current setup, but yeah, the the look on the opponent's faces when you you falcon, and then you uh, drop Obi Wan in is priceless. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so what what was your uh, deck's downfall? Was it just that Sith control was just too controlling right now? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, my first round of top sixteen, I was playing against Matt Coles, um, and he obviously won Gen Con and got second at Worlds. Um, and you know, I, I would say if, if we were having a magic discussion right now, uh, that dark side has the edge at the moment, uh, that would be my vote. Um, so when you run into a good player, um, it kind of just, the odds are in there in the dark side's favor, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, it was even, even the game I lost to him is light side. Um, it was close. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was my downfall. If, if I had to say what my downfall was, it was. It was Matt Coles. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a card. It wasn't. I mean, it's just a matter of. Um, he's a very good player. You know, yeah, yeah he, he was a really good player. He was a lot of people's downfalls that day. <laughs> absolutely, and he, uh, you know, it's we could we can go into this conversation or not if you guys want to. Sure, but, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, the uh, really for me, it's the because at Gen Con actually it's happened to me twice now. Um, at Gen Con, I made it to the top sixteen and. Um, was playing my opponent and actually ended in a draw, but I think I was like the 13th seed and he was the 6th seed or whatever, and so he went on because uh, the draw goes to the, the higher seed. And then I actually, when I was playing Matt in the top 16, um, was able to beat him as the dark side, and he only destroyed one objective and came to a point in my light side game where uh, I could destroy basically a second objective as light side. Mm-hmm. But by doing so, I was pretty much handing him the game. So I had to opt for a different route. I could have forced a draw, but that doesn't do anything because he's the one seed. Right. Um, and so even my light side deck um, would have forced a draw in, in that scenario. But it, it obviously at that point, it doesn't matter. So um, I don't know. I, I think a 4-4 against Matt Coles, it, it's, it's worth it. That's not bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take it. 
but anyways, you know, he uh, he obviously went on and, and lost to Dennis in the finals. But the only change I would make if I if I could go back and do it again is I would, I would drop a protector objective set and put another Falcon in because games where I had Falcon early, I just I ruled ruled the game. Yeah, yeah, no, no, Falcon is I think just that one card that really gives the light side just that much more kind of anticipating surprise because the Falcon does a lot of damage, a lot of blast damage, a lot of blaster damage, and you you can throw them in and pass the first turn, and if your opponent isn't aware the Falcon has edge one, they can say pass, and you're like, really? They're like, yeah, I pass. They're like, okay, I win edge. And they look at you like, what do you mean? So yeah. I actually have a really funny story about that. Yes. Um, In one of my matches, I had a Falcon in hand, but I didn't want to play it yet. Okay. So for like six edge battles in a row, I would send a guy in and just instantly pass, instantly pass, oh, instantly pass, means. like clockwork. And my opponent, like, at the first one, he's like, okay, that's weird. And then by the <laughs> sixth one, he was just instantly passing back. Oh, so I was like, Falcon, attack, pass. And he's like, pass. I'm like, I win. Oh, that's so <laughs> mean. Mind games. That's that's awesome. That, that is, uh, I like that. I'm not, I'll try that. Um, Zach, uh, I, I know that um, you guys had you guys had a lot of uh, a lot of people there. What was your overall experience of Worlds, and uh, what do you think Fantasy Flight Games can do to improve the uh, the next year's Worlds? That's a big question. Uh, I, I think Worlds was fantastic. Um, you know, I went to Worlds last year and this year, and it's a it's a vast vast improvement over over what we saw last year. And last year was fantastic. Um, I think it's, it's really interesting to see them, you know, I've been playing tabletop games for a very long time and, um, this whole, like, you know, they've always done organized play, but they're really like getting serious about it. Mm -hmm. Um, both, you know, locally and the way they're kind of restructuring and stuff. So I think from, a uh, an event standpoint, I think they put on a fantastic event. I think it was well run. I think everyone had a really good time. Uh, the only thing I can possibly say would make it better is if, uh, and I, I think I'm just going to chalk this up to, to them learning how to how to do OP. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, you know there were things like uh, I know in in Game of Thrones right they had a hundred and I don't know thirty players or something a lot hundred thirty something and uh, they the the big issue was they had like forty something regional buys in the first round. Oh my gosh. Um, so normally, you know, you have 120 plus players, you, you have a six round Swiss. Um, but they, so they had six round Swiss, but they also had 40 players with first round buys. So that created some issues. Like, uh, there was a guy from our store who actually went five and one, um, and didn't make the top cut. What? So yeah, there, there were actually two or three guys in the, that were there that were five and one and didn't make the top cut, uh, cause they cut to a top 16. So, I, I mean, I think, you know, adding an extra round if, if you're already there is a, a worthy note or even cutting to a top 32 at that point. Netrunner was top 32, uh, but Thrones was only top 16. So it's things like that. I mean, even Star Wars could have technically been a top 32 if they really wanted to. Um, but I think the, the biggest kinks are just in the tournament system and the way the tiebreakers work at this point. You know, I actually heard a rumor um, while, while I was at Worlds, that they're going to cut down the number of regional events that are sponsored across the nation. That's fantastic. Um, and they're using the store championships more as what the regionals were last year, which was just events everywhere. Okay. And then they're going to be more selective about regionals because I think they, they recognize that same issue because it was like, even in Star Wars, I think there were like 
34 people with a first round buy yeah. or something ridiculous like that. There was a lot of regional events everywhere yeah. last year. I mean, I mean, you know, it, I, I think what we're going to see is it kind of go towards what um, magic is right now, where there's set events on the East Coast and set events on the West Coast. But my only fear is there's going to be too few, which is what happened in magic. So I, I think that um, Fantasy Fight just is going to have to be careful on, on how they balance it because they, they have to keep in mind that not everyone plays this game, and it's really hard to find a a good group of players to kind of have have that solid meta. I mean, obviously in Team Covenant they have they, you guys have a great meta, which is awesome. One of my friends, Shriggs, aka Jeff, is uh, plays there a lot as well. Plays Infinity with you guys too. And, nice. Um, he's he's always like, oh, they're so awesome. I'm just like, yeah, it's cool. I wish I actually lived there. Um, I mean, like me and Matt's meta is just ourselves, and uh, I get Matt has to drive to where uh, Nate. Not true. He's in my meta. Well, technically he is because he drives there. But, yeah. But I, it's it's what it's only two hours. It's only two hours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like yeah. I I don't have anyone within like three four hours of me to actually drive to, so it it kind of sucks for me. So like I think that uh, with the way that the regionals are going to be handled next year. It, it'll be really encouraging to see where they actually sponsor things. Like, I will drive to a regional in Columbus. That's not a problem. I will gladly do that. Um, but, okay, so um, mo- moving on here. Um, Matt, as far as your opinion on, on Worlds go, um, I know that you didn't actually go to the event. You just kind of watched via video cast and whatnot. Uh, did you have any surprises um, for, like, the top decks or – decks that people played or anything that actually kind of stood out to you? Um, I wasn't surprised at all to see the dark side decks work out the way they did. I think part of the reason that we're saying, huh, there wasn't a huge surprise deck Mm -hmm. is that um, there's so much online play, so much online testing. People had hashed out. Right. These were the good decks and um, you know, there's a reason that everyone thought those were the good decks. Um, there's there's a reason that everyone plays Sith Controls because everyone's tried other things and find that it doesn't win as much. Mm-hmm. So they go back to what they know wins. Um, you know, there's also there's also just a limit to the number of possible archetypes, especially as young as the card pool is. You can play for Light Side, for instance. You can play a controlling style deck. You can play a um, more aggressive style deck. There are variations within it, of course, but um, there there's just kind of limits to where you start for now, at least. I'm hoping right. that um, I'm really looking forward to this next um, um, force pack cycle. Yes. Uh, it looks like they're going to, by putting the emphasis on a mechanic, kind of expand what we can do. Um, you know, Hoth was cool, but it didn't really introduce anything new to the game right. other than more ways to do the same things. Now, all of a sudden, the Force struggle is going to mean a lot more than, well, I get to move the dial a little faster now. Yeah. Or slower in, in the light sides. Uh, or slower, yeah. So uh, you actually bring up a really interesting point um, at how powerful Sith Control was, and I want to kind of get into that a little bit. Um Nate, I know that you and me have talked about this um, numerous times off air and on, and on air, but Sith Holocron and the Executor set, 
Right now, it's just kind of looked at at either – one side of the fence says it's a broken card. It's like Black Lotus from Magic, which is was just another ridiculously overpowered card. And then the other fence is – other side of the fence is like, well, it's – it's it's a it's a good card, but it doesn't like completely define and break the meta. And then there's the people on the middle where it's like, eh, I don't really have an opinion. Um, so with with Dennis's deck, he actually ran the executor sets, which were, um, and he only ran one 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 of Palpatine. So, Nate, in in your opinion, do you think that we can start to see the dark side not play the uh, the core as often as people think that's actually needed? Uh, I think with the, the new four cycle, what you're going to see is you're going to see the, the, the core of the deck shift and be built around the executor objective set. Okay. Um, Sith Holocron, while potentially not broken in and of itself, is highly abusable yeah. in a certain group of cards. As we saw at Worlds, you know, um, I know the decks that we were running for Dark Side. We were running one of the Tuscan Raider objective sets to basically loop Holocrons and Gappy Sticks um, by getting a Bantha out and then playing Scavengers and getting to play Sith Holocron multiple times. How often did, did you guys actually see that combo? Um, I saw it four times in wow. six rounds. That's really good. Um. And then one of those rounds was a buy, so <laughs> so a lot, okay. um, mainly because there's no way to deal with the Bantha, and you have what three Tuscan Raiders to find in the yep. deck, so it's it's a it's an easy combo to get started. It doesn't always necessarily win a game, but it's a nice side trick to a deck. Okay. Um, but I, th- I think you're going to see a shift in the, the, the what's considered the core of a Sith control deck. It's going to be Executor. It's going to be either Vader and Palpatine, I think, and then probably like Amara Jade or some combination. I don't think you're going to see decks that are just going to run, you know, Vader, Palpatine, Mara, Executor, uh, Council. I don't necessarily think that's as good of a deck as some variations on that. Right, right. Okay, um, that's a... That's fair. Um, Zach, what is your opinion on the current dark side, quote-unquote, meta and Sith Holocron? Uh, it's good. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I ran... Um, I, I don't think I knew this until after seeing the list, but uh, Dennis was actually running the, the exact same dark side deck as I was. Nice! At Worlds. Um, and, I mean, we, we play a lot, right? So we at least one tournament a week, we'll play each other probably in one of those rounds. Um, and then usually on the weekends, we'll get a couple games in. Uh, so, I mean, it's good. And, and that's what, one thing I wanted to mention that you, you guys noted was the fact that there was only one Emperor Palpatine objective set. Yes. Um, and I think it's, it's really due to exactly what you're talking about, how the deck is starting to be built around the executor. Uh, we, obviously we, during testing, um, you know, the Emperor Palpatine objective set from the very beginning has been like just so big in this game. Um, but the more we used it, the more, like, the more we tested, the more we didn't like it. Um, and I know that me uh, and Grant is another player from our store. He was the guy that got a second at Gen Con. Um, he, uh, he, he, he argued with me for about two hours um, the Saturday before Worlds. 
as to whether I, whether I should run one or two Palpatines in my in my deck. And eventually he convinced me, and I played it, and it was I was so impressed, um, just so impressed because the number of times because of the sleuth scouts and the blockade runners that your your Palpatine drop is not as good as it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just felt like, and I even almost feel that way. I haven't I haven't tried it with the Tuscans, but with that loop, it almost felt like a win more kind of play, where by the time you get the Emperor out at any point, either he's you're going to destroy them no matter what you had, or he's not going to be useful because they're just going to sneak by him and blow stuff up. Uh, so it kind of became a trap objective set, and then it's a four health objective that you never really want to see. Right. Um, and against the Slew Scouts and Rebel Assaults and stuff, it was just such a liability, honestly. Um, and I think it's just shifting to be built around the Executor and, and at least in our case, uh, more of a damage-based deck because you, you we, we have the one uh, Ghost of the Dark Side in there for... Shockwave. You know, um, you know. If I can interrupt you for just a second here, Zach, I I wanted to hug Dennis when I saw that because that is seriously one of my favorite dark side objectives in the game right now. Just because for Shockwave is probably the best card ever. I mean, <laughs> it's it, like uh, tons of speeders. Oh, cool for Shockwave. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Shockwave and what it does, and I mean, you get the dark memories too, right? Um, which yeah. at first seemed like a really bad card. You're just like, ah, this is this seems like it's not going to pay off um, until you drop a shockwave and then you put one on Han and they can't attack anymore. Um, so I, I've almost always had a use for that card, and it's, it's interesting. Um, I wish there weren't two force race in there, honestly, so that I could run yeah. two of the objective set. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it stands, it's really hard for me to put two in. Anyways, I, I think it's interesting because Sith has shifted from a very tactics heavy. Uh, deck, which it was before this case, it, into what I'm seeing, which is a very damage-heavy deck. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think that Sith Control, no matter how you slice it, is still the best The best there is. Right. Um, but I, I would make a pretty strong case at this point for not necessarily using two Emperor Palpatine objective sets. Okay. You know, and um, that that's actually in, in just a, a great kind of tidbit um, for a lot of players that kind of think that, you know, you have to run certain Sith ob- objectives or certain Sith characters double. Um, because as we saw, uh, Matt Coles, you, and uh, Dennis just were able to do so well with just one Palpatine. Um, Matt, what are, your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on that? It's actually not the two Palpatines that... Um, make me want to run tw- two copies of Emperor's Web, but the Royal Guard. The Royal Guard is by far the best two-drop in the game. Agreed. And, um, you know, my version of control decks runs unit damage like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having the two-drop with the potential for two unit damage and three health and protect him help out with other units mm-hmm. um, and a couple of force icons. I, I am much more likely, even mid to late game, to drop two or three um, like strong unit damage defenders, hold that Palpatine in my hand, and win an edge battle. Um, I think um, the last tournament I went to um, that Nate was running, Palpatine got used in edge battles almost every game, never hit the table, and yeah. Yeah. won every game. Yeah, so it, that, that's it, exactly. that's my 
I, I, I'm not saying you have to run two copies. Clearly you don't, but that's actually the card I would miss most uh, by cutting to one copy is the Royal Guard. Well, and that's, that's what I think is interesting when you, you start looking at your deck and what's in it. Mm -hmm. uh, because what we kept finding is like, really the main character started to become Darth Vader because of the damage. Um, and he really, most of the time, doesn't need Protect. I mean, he can. He can use Protect. It's fine. Uh, and that's why, I mean, ultimately, the Palpatine objective set across the board is just amazing. It has a resource. It's got the Protectors in it. It has Palpatine. It has a Force Choke. And it has a Force Lightning. So those are all cards you, you don't mind having at any given point. Mm -hmm. uh, but, again, you know, running, there's a lot of interesting things there where you're, you're trading, what are you trading for by, what, what objective are you including over it? And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I 100% I agree that the, the Royal Guard is probably the best two-drop in the game. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you've got four of them in your deck, or if you or, are there two in the objective or one? There's, there's, uh, there's two per objective set. Yeah. The Royal Guard, there's yeah. just one. There, there is? There's, there's just one. Oh, yeah, it's okay. I, I'm... Royal Guard, um, the resource Sith Library, Force 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 Lightning. Yeah. and the... Yeah, yeah I, I, I was thinking of... Um, the ghost again because it has two in there. Yeah, yeah, the force strength. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, and you you lean on certain cards uh, throughout the you know the, the building of the game, I guess. And and it's just uh, at the end of the day, it's an interesting comparison. But it it seemed to work out. I, I, I'm not. I don't know what Dennis's record was, but I know I I think I lost one dark side game that day. Yeah. I mean. Okay. So. So we'll... the other the other thing yeah, too ahead, that, that I noticed that kind of killed the strength of uh, Palpatine was Cloud City operatives. Yeah. Everyone was running Cloud City operatives, so loading down a single unit or even two units with focus tokens usually turned around and bit you in the butt because they're like Cloud City operative, Cloud City operative. I focus down your board and get to attack back. Yeah. And you're totally. like, well, that that Palpatine did a whole lot of nothing for me, other than hurting me that's actually a really good point um so a uh just another uh quick quick topic here before we get onto the two versus two discussion here uh do you think that we're going to see these smugglers play an even bigger role into the the next force cycle because they're able to do so much kind of switching around with, with the way uh units are working uh nate i'll let you take this one um what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, the question was, is, do you think the smugglers will take an, an even bigger role in the next force cycle because of the way that their um, tricks are able to actually work, like including Lando and, um, and Cloud City Operative? Hmm. Yes and no. I think they will have a very important role. I have a feeling it's going to be as a, a support to potentially Jedi decks. Um for the most part, I think that with what we've seen so far from um, the previews that have come out, it's looking like Jedi may have a very good synergy inside of themselves. Yes. And it may be a benefit to run, you know, like eight Jedi objectives and then two smuggler ones for, say, Falcon or Blando or, or something, as you said. Um and I think you're still always going to see, you know, the pure smuggler decks because they work really well together. Yes. Uh, I don't know how much we're going to see smugglers boosted as a whole just because I think that 
the last four cycle edge of darkness the core you know i think you built up a solid smuggler pool of cards i think that ffg is gonna try and focus on rebels and jedi and scum and villainy because they need help desperately <laughs> except for in two versus two um that's true <laughs> so a great but. segue nate uh it's two versus two so um a lot of people were very, very excited for this, and a lot of people um, were also just kind of skeptical as well. But um, I know that it, like watching it on the stream at Worlds just looked like a lot of fun. It looked like a lot of thinking, a lot of strategizing involved. Um, Zach, uh, the only the only match that I was able to actually watch was the finals. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience and um, why you chose the decks that you did? Well, the experience was really pretty awesome. Uh, the first thing I have to say about TV2 is, man, is it a wild, wild game. Uh, it's, you know, my, my teammate was actually Matt Coles, the guy that knocked me out in the top 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the first thing I have to say about 2v2 is, you know, I played probably four or five games before the, the tournament going into it. And at, at, at a, you know, big tournament level like that, Man, is it so much fun. Uh, I had, you know, I, I obviously love the Star Wars card game, uh, but there's no question that I that was the most fun day of Worlds for me. Um, and there's something, you know, obviously we all love tabletop games. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you go to a tournament, you play, sit across the table from somebody you don't know, you get to meet someone new, where are they from, you have a good time, you build decks, you talk afterwards and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the interesting part of 2v2 is you go into it and you, you're actively having a dialogue with someone the entire game, which is your teammate. Um, so it's just a much different tournament experience, not even the game itself, uh, that I, I thoroughly enjoy. It's, it, you know, I laughed a lot more and uh, made jokes <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. It's not as so, serious. Yeah, you know, at, you know, at some point in the game when your, your teammate looks across and just says, give him the juice, like, you, you got to laugh at that. Like, you, you don't make those comments when you're playing one-on-one. It's a little bit more you know, reserved and respectable so you don't, you know, if you're destroying your opponent, you're not going to make any remarks. Right. Um, so it, I don't know. It was, it was super fun as far as the decks we used and why we use them. Um, what 2v2 really allows you to do and probably the most interesting aspect of the format is the fact that the same objective rules apply across the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what it really lets you do is see objective sets that don't normally quite yeah. make the cut. So it's like, you know, um, for example, our dark side decks, I think it, Matt was just using his dark side deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was using a lot of the objective sets that are just like super close, but not quite there yet. So, you know, I'm running two Vader's Fist because that's awesome. Uh, and then I'm running Imperial Blockade times one, which is awesome. Those are so mean objectives. They're just mean. Yeah. So some games, you know, I flip two Vader's Fist and an Imperial Blockade. It's just oh, like. God. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? That's just awful. And then because, you know, you have the way the 2v2 works, you know, if, if one side doesn't want you to get at certain objectives, it's pretty tough to get at certain objectives. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's uh, th- That's what we were doing. Uh, dark side, he basically used his dark side deck, and I brought all the mean stuff that doesn't normally make it to a deck. And then as far as light side goes, um, he was... <laughs> We built these decks like at 11 p.m. the day before the tournament. Nice. Uh, and we, we played, I think, one game as each side going into it. But he uh, he he was using his light side deck. Basically, I think we took a, one or two out to put it in mine and switch, switch, switched or something. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I was running basically a hot speeder deck. Um, so he had, he had vehicles, but he was um, starting rebels going smugglers or smugglers going rebels. And then I was the opposite, whatever that was. Um, so a lot of the times he would have, you know, the, the defense he had four out and I would pass him some beefy vehicle, mm-hmm. like a whatever, home one or Falcon or whatever. And he would just reduce the cost to get it super cheap for cards. And I, anyway, that, those are the decks we were running and uh, they worked out really well. But I do, I, I need to mention the light side deck that our opponents were using in the finals mm-hmm. was insane. Yeah, it was. It was had some really cool objectives in there. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. It was it was it was definitely the best two v two decks I've seen to date, and they they deserve a, a super super big nod for that. Awesome, very very cool. Okay, so Nate, uh, what what was your impressions of two versus two? So, first of all, playing two uh, mono faction decks is a terrible terrible <laughs> terrible idea. As cool Correct. as it sounds, it is horrendous. Do not do it. <laughs> um, you can't pass your opponent anything, or your, your partner anything. You're just like, oh, you have no resource matches. We're kind of screwed now. Nice. Um, that was the one thing I, I didn't take into consideration, oddly enough. Like, our decks would have worked amazing if we would have just swapped affiliation cards. Yeah. And then we would have been perfect. Um. There, like Zach was saying, there are some really suboptimal uh, single player cards that are just devastating mm-hmm. in two versus two. Like the the one that that uh, just obliterated Drew and I in one set of games was Aquilish Thug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Each player has to do what two damage or three damage or whatever two. it is. It's just like you drop one of those for four damage. Yep. It's like okay, um. That's efficient. <laughs> it's like there, there's some just awesome off the wall cards, and as a format, two versus two is fantastic. I love it. It is probably, you know, I haven't played much uh, melee for Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but I hear that it is like the best format ever for casual play because you just have a good time, right? Right. And that's what two versus two is. Um, I'm a little concerned about the format as far as a tournament viable format goes, just because it takes a long yes, time. Um, I know that when we started the tournament, it was four 90-minute rounds. And by the end of it, they increased it to 120-minute rounds because people were going to time and just not being able to really do much. Like, they were getting one game in, going to the second game, and having, like, ten minutes left. Oh, my goodness. Because there's so much back and forth and talking and strategy that's required that it just lengthens the amount of games. And I know that with Zach and some of the other, um, the the top four or whatever they cut to, that were untimed, those matches took forever. And it wasn't, like... I was standing there watching. Nobody was slow playing. No. Everybody was playing as efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. It's just a long <sighs> format to yeah. play in. And it, it's like, I think the two versus two tournament started an hour after the Thrones tournament started uh-huh. and finished at the same time almost. Oh my gosh. That's how long it took. And it, the funny thing was, nobody cared because it's such a fun format. Yeah. So. I love the format. I think that it's going to be one of the best things to happen to the game. Um, same with the, the challenge decks. 
we got to play against those a little bit. Those are awesome. So, um, so uh, just one, one more question. Yes. Was that like raiding in the WoW TCG? Yeah, it's very, very awesome. similar to, to how the raid decks are set I'm up. Excited, then. And it's kind of amazing to see some of just the stupid overpowered shenanigans <laughs> that the raid decks can do that's awesome i know that um i was i was watching one of them and luke skywalker just like i'm gonna kill your entire board and one entire person right what? now yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's hilarious to see some of the stuff that happened wow that that's awesome. everybody was having a blast doing it but it was it, it's nice to see these multiplayer formats because they add a lot of value to a game that already is a good game. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. All right, guys. Um, unfortunately, Nate has to go. He has a couple friends uh, that just popped by, and uh, we're gonna have to uh, say sayonara to uh, to Mr. Nate here. And uh, Nate, dude, it's been a privilege and an honor to have you on this show. Yeah. And Thank you for having me for as long as you have. Yeah, no problem. I think that's as long as anybody's been my friend. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. If if you're still where you are going to be, I'll, I'll come and visit you every once in a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks, Zach and, and Matt, for, for being on. Um, and I will see everybody later. Take care, Matt. Or, wow. Take care, uh, Nate, and may the force be with you, buddy. Adios. Congrats, man. Yep, bye. Uh, congrats. All right, so uh, moving on, uh, we're going to go into Deck Talk, and... Um, Matt, actually, you know what? I'm sorry. Uh, kind of, kind of rude of me. Um, did you have any thoughts on two versus two uh, while we're at that subject? Well, I haven't had any chance to play it yet, as you've um, noted. We kind of have single-player metas, unless I drive the two hours down to um, where Nate lives for another week, and then um, so. You know, my biggest concern is actually the deck building rules that also make it so awesome because you have to have someone you've planned ahead with. You can't show up and get randomly paired with right. players and play a tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, you um, can do that, but I don't think it would work out very well. <laughs> you, so as much as I love those deck building rules that give you awesome unused cards and makes games interesting, it also makes it harder to run as a tournament. I'm more looking forward to the challenge decks, yeah, um, just because they look so awesome, and I, I'm actually looking at them as a good way to teach some people because mm-hmm, definitely I can give I can give them decks I've already built, play the challenge decks, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It, if I give if I get three people, they even have a slight edge, right? Maybe. Um, I assume if the challenge decks can be balanced for versus two or three, well, you know, it'll be I... a little harder against three. I th- I think that the balance isn't gonna. Who cares? It's just gonna be fun, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, like, okay, so like, okay, it's like, oh darn, we beat the guy and it wasn't fair. It's not. You're actually you're beating a technically an NPC, but there's no one there. So I mean, like, who really cares? It's just for fun. Yeah, I uh, I actually had the chance to play against both challenge decks um, a couple of times, and. Um, I played it one. I was part of a team of three, and then the others. I was a team of two, mm-hmm. and the team team of two was much more difficult. Um, really? But I think again too, like uh, if we had like seriously built decks beforehand together, we were kind of just scraping around at the opportunity to play against the challenge decks. Um, but if if we'd done a little more planning, I think that that would have gone much better for us. Um, <laughs> but but it was a blast, and it was awesome, and it just shows what this format offers. 
And I'm, I'm really hopeful. I, I have no idea if this is the case or not, but hopefully we get more of these challenge type decks. Well, I'm sure we will. And, um, you know, I would love to see even print-on-demand style decks that don't have to be as part of a release. That'd be you sweet. Just, yeah, you can just buy more challenge decks. So I'm, I'm really excited about that format. Awesome, awesome. Very cool. Okay, so moving on to Deck Talk, which is going to be our last segment of the show. Then we'll get on to shout-outs. Um, me and Matt have been actually messing around with, get ready for it, a tri-color or tri-faction deck. I know it's really weird, and you're probably scratching your head going, huh, that doesn't make, why? But be, before you before you actually uh, pass judgment here, it is a dark side deck. Now, unfortunately, the tri-color deck for the light side we've tried just doesn't work yet. Like, it's it's close, but we're missing a couple key elements of the light side that we're, that we're not really uh, key on. So the way that this tricolor deck works is going to be two boss, which is uh, Trandoshan Terror, two Council of the Sith, uh, two uh, Fall of the Jedi, two the Emperor's Web, and two... Well, what am I missing, Matt? Defense Protocol. Defense Protocol, thank you. Um, basically, the way this deck works is you have so many units that your opponent can't do anything. Um, Matt, you were the original creator of this deck, so I'm going to let you kind of explain it a little bit more in depth. Well, like I mentioned earlier, I my take on the Sith Control deck has shifted away from um, play big giant units, mm-hmm. watch your opponent cry, <laughs> and more more to a swarm style deck where if Vader or Palpatine comes down at the end to mop things up and finish the game, sure. But the real power of the deck is it puts out a ton of units and they all have unit damage. And you have four heat of battles. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so that, fun. Which is why I love Trandish and Tear. I, 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 it's not always the most popular choice to splash in, but heat of battle plus two of the um, Trandishans that are effectively clones of the Heavy Squadron Stormtrooper. Um, Bosk gives you a guy who can close the game if you need him to. Mm-hmm. Or has two non-edge dependent unit damage, yeah. which is huge against um, the speeder decks that are becoming pretty popular. And well, I mean, not only that. I mean, with the popularity of runner and sluice, I mean, we have yeah. uh, f- oh so many units that are just two two resources that they can block, and no matter yes. what. And then I mean, and then you're able to put Palpatine and Vader just on complete yep. off- offensive. So it yes. just it completely reverses the role of the big units instead of being on defense. Now, granted, sometimes Palpatine is going to have to stay on defense just in case, but um, most of the time, uh, it's he's either being used for edge battles or he's just being used to lock down the opponent's board again. Yes, and then you have the force lightnings that are removal. You have force chokes. Yeah. You have targeted strike possible with Vader. You have the Tie Attack Squad and its targeted strike which is pretty reliable in a deck with eight um, fate cards. Yeah. And then you have Defense Protocol itself, Yep. which is effectively turn any one card into a um, slightly better force choke. Yeah. You, you can choose not to draw a card and do a damage. That's effectively a force choke. That hits vehicles. Still, still, probably one of the best objective sets for Dark Side in the game right now, J- just because it comes with so many units 
that can do everything. Like you said, it comes with Twist of Fate. It comes with a, a, a TIE Fighter, which, honestly, I've killed one objective with a TIE Fighter before. It's possible. It comes with uh, Death from Above, and it comes with Talon Roll, which is just so good because most opponents are like, oh, okay, a TIE Fighter's going to go in, whatever, and then you're like, Death from Above, Talon Roll, the objective's dead. It's just such a great objective set. It, it is, and it, it's... Biggest asset is how versatile it is in yeah. ability to play offense or defense. Um, you know, it has some very aggressive units and um, one very aggressive event in yes. Death from Above. Talon Roll gives you a surprise defender or can a double strike on attack. Mm -hmm. And the objective itself, again, just wipes out your opponent's board yeah. if you need it to. Yeah, it, um, it really the, the trick is knowing when to use it mm -hmm. and when you'd rather draw a card for an edge battle. Um, yeah, I mean, the um, I, I I have not lost with this deck yet, and I've played everybody like, like anyone on Octagon that's played me has no. I I literally this deck has not lost yet. Um, I've lost with it once. Um, I played TGO on Octagon, mm -hmm. and it was one of those games where I drew none of the. Um, None of the weenies. Which is None, weird, because there's 22 units in the game, in the deck. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can play Vader. Vader's not who I want to play first turn. Yeah. I want to play a couple of small units first turn, but Vader's who I have. Yep. Yeah. And it's just... the, the light side has ways around early big units. Yep. Um, that's what made Holocron so powerful, is it gave Darkseid early big unit plus a small unit, mm -hmm. or plus something else. Yeah. And that's what made it... That's what, quote, broke it. Mm -hmm. um, no, I, that, I would definitely agree. Um, Zach, opinions on the deck as you hear them for the first time? Uh, question number one. Yes. What's your affiliation? Navy. Navy. Um, well, I mean, I think that you have... So you have two Vaders, two Palpatines, two Tiger Tax Squadrons... And then a bunch two of two-cost units, what's yeah. The, what's the other two? The other one? Um, Palpatine, Vader, Bosk. Council. Council, there we go. Council. Um, you know, I mean, the, the curious part for me is it's, I mean, that's, it's basically, uh, it's pretty close to uh, Matt Cole's deck, right? It's, it's got a lot of the same elements. It's, yeah, you, yeah. Obviously, I, yeah. You had, you had Bosk, um, which is a big difference, so. My my big I'd love to play against it. Um, my my big question would just be um, how effective the the boss play is versus the other the other well, items you could bring from Imperial or uh, right right okay so Sith. so basically in testing we originally had it for scum affiliation because we thought that boss would just be you know just that 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 important but as as we found out through testing. Not a lot of people play Chewbacca very very much, and when <laughs> and and when when they do, you, you don't have Bosk. So, you, I would we I would rather have the potential to play a Tie Attack Squadron any point during the game, rather totally. than, rather than rely on pulling at least one Navy objective. And the reason we went with the Navy affiliation is because Bosk is the only card in that objective set that needs a Scum affiliation resource. The totally. the other one is the Capture one, which I usually used for an edge battle or just discard it. And it's actually bounty that's a free enhancement. Yeah. So you Thank don't you. need yeah. the resources. I think what's curious and what we're getting to, obviously Star Wars is just, it's a super young game right now. Mm -hmm. And especially with the objective set deck building that, that 
is a part of the game. Uh, I think that makes the card pool even smaller, really. Yes. And so for me, like I do, I 100% think there's interesting resource plays like that where you start looking and it's like, you know, at first you're like, I'm not going to run more than three of my off color because I don't want to be stuck with not having what I need. Mm-hmm. And But I, I really, when you start looking at how many actually need the affiliation and the objective set, and what else do you get when you bring it in? Yep. So the more the card pool expands, the more I think objective choices like Bosk, where he's the only uh, unit in the objective that needs the resource match, um, is is something that has to be you have to keep track of and keep yep. keep tweaking and testing. I, I would not be surprised if in a year, maybe two years from now, we see decks with one or two objectives that are just like totally weird, just yeah. totally weird. Because uh, I mean, you know, even Bosk, if you run one. And you happen to get your scum objective when you draw into boss. That's awesome. Uh, then you can play him. If not, then you just pitch him to the edge battle. Yep. But it's at least going to make your opponent think, right? Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah. So I think there's a there's a lot there as far as the deck building options, and you know, I'm I'm personally I I refuse and just personal is how I roll. Uh, I refuse to use flu scouts. Um, <laughs> and it's pro- <laughs> It probably has to do with uh, getting just railed, on, you know, every week by Dennis using sleuth scouts. Um, you know, he'll come out turn one and blow up two objectives because he has two Anduits and two sleuths. Um, if you don't play it right, uh, but he, he uh, for whatever reason, I, I I like building decks that try to use things that people aren't looking at and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so throwing in, you know, dropping one Emperor Pod or throwing in Obi Wan, uh, those kind of things. But I mean, you know, you even have cards like uh, the Millennium Falcon that uh, he drops a character in. So you don't even have to have a resource match. Yeah. Um, yep. So you could be running a pure smuggler deck, and you you know, you know run one... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know a good example because I haven't looked at it. But you run one Kyle Katarn objective set, mm-hmm. and it's like you now have, he, there's two Kyles in there. Yep. And if you happen to have the Falcon out, you can drop them in, and it's all of a sudden you know, they were not even close to expecting you to have. Yeah. Uh, and you don't even need the resource match at all. Yeah. And that and that's uh, there's the more cards that come out that do that kind of thing. Even you know Sith Holocron, you can use any any Sith card that is three or less mm-hmm. without having to have a resource match at that point. So it's a there's there's interesting things there. Hundred percent, I hundred percent think there are. And uh, you give it a year, give it two years, and the possibilities will be massive. Oh, I mean, even give it till March of next year. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I mean, just the, the the amount of awesome things that are coming for the light side, I think, is going to open up just a whole possibilities. I mean, we, we've already covered this, so we're not going to uh, go over it again. But um, one point I actually want to kind of uh, point out there is you said you don't like running slews. Um, yep. I, I'm I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I hate running decks that are like, well, you have to run this because that's that's just the meta. That's it works. Okay, yes, I'm like I'm a very competitive player when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I, I want to run the best. I want to you know have a chance to at least compete with the dark side. But your deck is really interesting, and I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna give that a couple tests because, I, like you said, I love running decks that make people go, "Wait, what? <laughs> Why are you? That doesn't make any, huh? Okay." And this is uh, this is why I like the the trifaction deck because you you pull. Okay, so say you get a defense protocol and two councils, and it's a navy objective. And everyone's like, okay, cool. Then you drop two trained ocean hunters your first turn, and they're like, wait, what? I thought. Absolutely. It, or you, yeah. you drop a bounty, mm-hmm. 
mid game. It's like, what is that? Where <laughs> yeah, where did that like, come from? Are you sure? Are you yeah. Sure? Did you count your deck right? Is that like a misplay in the card? You're like, nope, I have, I have Trandor Shinter in there. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's what you know. I, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, Smugglers are really good, and yeah. Sluice Scouts. I, I call it Sluice, but it's just the whole deck archetype of mm-hmm. the vehicles that can't be blocked that's with fair. lots of damage and all the Rebel assaults and stuff. It just doesn't. It's been popular for a while, and it doesn't appeal to me, but. Uh, you know, I think there, even now with the card pool, the size that it is, I think there are cards that just don't see enough play. Um, and my biggest example is the Lando, Lando objective set, because it's smugglers only, uh, you have to start smugglers to use him. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a shame how, how little he gets played. He is just, he's from like a, yeah, from a battle math standpoint, he is just fabulous. Um, his the whole thing, the objective, the way it shuts down yeah. Sith, um, if it if it's time, you know comes out at the right time, is just phenomenal. So, um, I mean, it's only going to get worse as time goes on. The number of cards that people are just glossing over because it's not the de facto main thing. Yeah. And I I have a deck that I've since Worlds been playing pretty much exclusively on the light side. That's super like it looks like garbage. Um, but I win most of my games with it. And interesting. Uh, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's units with icons and edge battles, and you're trying to do damage as a light side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't really matter how you get that done. Right. Like it, it, it may seem easier to drop sluice in and, and flow, but at the same time, if people are expecting it, they drop two stormtroopers on the first turn. Yeah. That doesn't work as well anymore. Uh, so you just kind of. I don't know. There's there's a lot of options even now, so I'm really excited to see what happens next year at Worlds. No, I would definitely agree. Uh, th- those are some fantastic points. Um, but all right, guys, we uh, we are coming to the end of the show, so we are going to do uh, personal shout-outs and anything else you guys want to want to plug. Um, Matt, we're going to start with you. Do you have any shout-outs or personal projects you're working on? I'll give a shout-out to um, my wife, who I got straight home from work and jumped on my computer to help record this, and she didn't even give me an evil eye. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Also, um, shout out to Team Covenant. Um, great guys. I met um, several of them at Gen Con, and um, I, or those of you who, like me, live in an area without a huge following, may, might not be able to find it in the store, go check out their subscription service. It's yeah. awesome. And their customer support is great. Yeah. Even when something gets lost like four times in the mail, <laughs> like, like like a um, certain corset did. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. That happens though. Um, that is unfortunate. Thank you for the shout out though. That's awesome. Uh, you know, actually, you know, that kind of brings up a question in my mind: Is Steve? Uh, does Steve laugh a lot in person? <laughs> Steven? Yeah. Because uh, he's always smiling and he's always laughing. So I, I just picture him to be a very like laughable person. He he's a happy person. Good. Uh, yeah, I mean he he laughs a lot, and we have a good time when when you spend most of your day hanging out, playing games, or yeah. being involved with games in some manner. You, it's pretty easy to be happy, so we're really thankful for what we get to do. Awesome, well, that's cool. Uh, Zach, oh, what are your personal shoutouts for today? Oh man, I could I could list a lot. Well, go uh, ahead, list a lot, buddy. Uh, the the main one is just all the people in the the Star Wars community are. Whether it worlds or all the guys podcasting and doing videos or whatnot, are fantastic. Um, I, I'm a huge, huge fan and believer in community-led content. So, uh, big shout out to you guys for for taking the time to record um, and your personal time and all the other shows that do it and all the other websites that are doing it. So, 
that's that's the i mean i'm not gonna start listing people because that just gets <laughs> messy but uh you know big shout out to them and then of course a huge shout out to fantasy fight games for a fantastic game yeah i really love where they're going and and uh can't wait to see where they take it awesome awesome um, my shout-outs this week are going to be once again to my lovely wife, who's allowed me to, to record this while she's watching over our son, who is teething, which is just a joy to experience. And um, also shout-out to you, Zach, for taking time out of your uh, your busy week to uh, come on the show, as well as you, Matt. Thank you guys for being a part of the program. And also big shout-out to Nate, um, who's been a really good personal friend of mine for, for a while since I've met him. Um, he's uh, really taught me a lot, really kind of been a, um, a really cool a mentor of mine is as far as the card game just as, as uh, life goes as well so big shout out to you buddy i hope um you have the best of luck in in your new uh job and field and uh, i really hope that uh, uh god blesses you uh, for all the efforts that you're putting into it um another shout out to uh drew who um runs the uh, card game db forums great forum check it out guys uh definitely definitely good forum thanks for all the hard work you also put into that and uh, I, again, I'm going to have to agree with Matt here. Shout out to Team Covenant for just being awesome and, and uh, just having probably some of the best content when it comes to collectible card games and tabletop games uh, on the internet and I think anywhere in the world in my personal opinion. Um, I really think that you guys rival what Will Wheaton does with his um, YouTube show. Uh, you guys are just just, just awesome. And uh, Thank you very much for that. <laughs> hey, no, no problem, no problem. And uh, I just I just wish uh, and hope that God continues to bless you guys in, in all your efforts uh, through what you guys are doing. Um, I hope your um, your online store grows as, as much as it has been. And um, also, guys, check them out to make sure that uh, you guys are doing the um, subscri- uh, subscription-based LCG uh, packs. If you're a Star Wars fan, it's just so awesome. Of course, you know, always support your local stores if you guys would rather do that instead. I highly encourage you to do that as well. But uh, it is TeamCovenant.com and all, all their social uh twitters and twatters and facebooks is uh, probably just team covenant right zach yeah it's all slash team covenant and i, I want to echo you there as far as the local store goes we we run a store in tulsa oklahoma and uh i'm i'm a huge fan of supporting the local store and we as a as an online group our, our intent would never be to snipe snipe customers or players from the local stores of course not but uh we, we love being able to you know give give players content across the world who don't have local stores or local communities and uh, love love doing it. So if we can have we can help you out, let us know. Now, is that subscription based? Is that just in the U.S. for now, or is that uh, no? It, it's it's worldwide. Awesome. Um, now the there there's a there's extra shipping charges when you're you're international, but we have quite a few international uh, subscribers. So Good. excellent. That's awesome. That's that's global. Because I, I know a couple people on the forums of like yeah, it takes forever for Fancy Flight to put stuff out to their stores. So guys, I mean. You know, if if you want to order online, I would definitely, definitely check their store out. But uh, that's all the time we have for this week, guys. Sorry for the lack of uh, shows we had over the past few weeks. Nate's been really busy. Um, uh, the other Matt, who was unfortunately not been able to join us this week, uh, was also really busy. And I was really busy. So um, back to our regularly scheduled programming, as always, guys. And uh, once again, thank you, Matt and Zach, for joining us. And thank you to the viewers and listeners listening to the Table Flip Podcast. We hope to bring you a great year in 2013. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And as always, God bless and may the force be with every one of you.